0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member (laughs) FDSC.
1: Overwhelmed by investing? If you're anything like us, the hardest part is getting started. That's why we created the Investing for Beginners podcast. Our goal is to help simplify money so it can work for you. We invite guests to demystify investing. At least try to be setting aside like the minimum 10% into the 401k. We'll teach you the basics of the market. Yeah, I think compound interest should be at the start of any discussion about investing. and. We've had investment professionals who teach in a simple way.
2: A valuation-driven bear market, you know, we we haven't really seen yet. And I think everyone's thinking about it, but we haven't really seen yet.
1: Our Q&A episodes feature questions from listeners just like you. So what do you think about the situation with ETPI, which is Activision? I'm Dave Ahern. And I'm Andrew Sather. And we hope you join us on the Investing for Beginners podcast. On the Investing for Beginners podcast.
2: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
3: In fact, there was a treaty between our president and their ambassador, one of the Greys. And this treaty was a direct exchange on the U.S.'s part. The U.S. wanted military information, lasers, chips, anything that would help them in the military sense. And the Greys needed DNA, human DNA, cow DNA. Which is very, very similar to human and human DNA. And the United States apparently told them they can have X amount of human DNA and no more. And apparently the Greys didn't follow along with that.
0: Hey there, I'm hard at work on another edition of Inner Sanctum, my free monthly newsletter. Inner Sanctum features my monthly brief, a column of my thoughts and opinions on what's happening in the world. It features a spotlight on a past guest, a look ahead to an upcoming episode of my weekly syndicated radio program, The Conspiracy Show. It features a look at this month in conspiracy and UFO history and my Conspiracy Unlimited podcast episode pick of the month and so much more. To get your free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, delivered to your email inbox, Just go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on Inner Sanctum, and register. It's fast, easy, and again, absolutely free.
2: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption. The secret machinations of powerful elites, revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Leon Bibby, the
0: author of Adam Decoded Volume 2. And Adam equals alien is standing by, and uh, we are talking about the Sumerian creation myth, the planet Nibiru, the Anunnaki, the ancient alien theory. You mentioned uh, Leon that the the last Anunnaki they left roughly two thousand years ago. Why did they leave?
3: I think they couldn't survive after the last blast after Sodom and Gomorrah, I think it it created such turmoil uh, for them. Uh, it actually created flooding, so all the mines in South Africa became flooded. They could no longer mine gold. Um, it's interesting, though, that they found gold on the opposite side of the earth, in Lake Titicaca in Bolivia. Uh, because of the flooding, uh, it unearthed through this lake, it unearthed gold um, at the bottom of of this lake. So they switched mining. Enki switched mining over to Peru and Bolivia from from Africa. But I think the Anunnaki just um, just felt that it was getting out of control. Uh, the famili- familial issues, certainly between Enlil and Enki, were out of control. And Anu said, "Let's, you know, come on back. We've got we've got the gold we need. Head back home."
0: Did Enlil and Enki leave behind certain factions that were loyal to either one or the other?
3: As far as Anunnaki, or as far as humans?
0: Well, humans that were loyal to one, oh. to 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 one or the other.
3: I, you know, again, this is my theory. I, I think that the Anunnaki, uh, Enki, certainly left more of a major impact. I think most of Latin America, uh, you know, the. The, the pyramids in, in Mexico, pyramids in Central America, I think were all initially designed and helped to be built by Enki. Um, he is deified, you know, as, um, as 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 a god. In my opinion, in in Latin America, I show pictures of, you know, faces of uh, of um, in Tenochtitlan and the pyramids of of their god that they believe um, created the heavens and and earth. Um, so I, I think he left more of a, of a of a positive imprint, let's say. I think Enlil um, was directly related to the Israelites. I think he was the je- the, the jealous, diff- tougher God um, that 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 the Jewish people were um, w- were were worshiping, and I, and I think I think he still is um, deified, in my opinion, as God the Israelites.
0: How do you explain the uh, elongated skulls in Peru?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, uh, scientists have been looking at those skulls for years. Um, they they they're popping up everywhere. They're in Peru, Bolivia. Um, several scientists are living in Peru and Bolivia, just 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 researching them. Um, I believe that they're direct descendants from Anunnaki. I believe that the the, the skulls weren't. Um, weren't man-made, weren't made by some, uh, you know, subs- you know. A lot, a lot of times in Africa, they'll they'll bind the top of the skull of an infant, which is sort of m- mushy, let's say, not firm, and it will become almost like an egg-like head. And I believe that this was uh, this was a deification of the Hanunaki. Uh But the, in Peru and Bolivia, I think these are legitimate skulls that 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 are still sitting in museums in these. Of Anunnaki skulls, I, I think these are these are real. These are 2000 CC cranium skulls from Anunnaki, and I think that there's no explanation for them because they're not mute. They're, they're not sort of mutated. Um, they had to have been legitimate.
0: And what do we know of the the physical description of the Anunnaki from the cuneiform tablets? Uh, did they talk about Sort of a conical shaped head.
3: Yeah, they could. They taught, the Egyptians had had it. Um, you know, which were again direct descendants. But yes, you see the Anunnaki with conical shaped heads, especially the women. You see um, the, them in the tablets wearing a headdress um, on top, um, and it stems right down through the Egyptian pharaohs and dynasties. You see even Tutankhamun and Akhenaten all having. Um, elongated skulls and um, it, it didn't come from the first Cro-Magnons because the Cro-Magnons had shorter skulls with 950 cc brains these brains are 1450 cc to 2200 cc much much more advanced than Cro-Magnons so obviously these skulls came from somewhere
0: how does an historical Jesus fit into this narrative?
3: I think he's one of the original uh, offspring uh, in my opinion, uh, as was Moses, as was Abraham, as was Noah. I think he was one of the original Nephilim, which is offspring of Anunnaki and human. I think his uh, miracles were real. Uh, I think that he was um, app- uh, obviously appointed as uh, as the son of God. Um, and uh, I believe that his, um, as you say, um, love God, love your neighbor, are two of the most, if not the most, important um, communi- com- communications that we could have in life. So I believe that, yes, he was, in fact, one of the most important, if not the most important, uh, Nephilim discussed in the Bible.
0: What do you think about the pyramids being used for extraterrestrial communication? Uh, why did the Anunnaki build the pyramids?
3: Leon? Leon? So uh, the pyramids, in my opinion, were energy devices, um, and they needed to use the le- ley lines of the Earth to emulsify that energy that's beneath the Earth now, everywhere on the Earth. And if you notice, all of the pyramids, and there, there are, there are 10,000 pyramids on the Earth, some very small and some very large, some you know about, some you haven't seen yet, but there are 10,000 Pyramids and they all lay along these ley lines, these energy grids. Uh, several people have written books about ley lines and about the energy grids. But I believe that the pyramids were used for to create energy, to uh, to basically power up their ships, power up their lasers, power up their civilization. So um, it's just interesting that a couple of the authors that I discussed in my book. Two, two of which, one is an electrical engineer and one is a one is a chemical engineer. Christopher Dunn um, talks about the pyramids using piezoelectrical energy, uh, creating hydrochloric acid and hydrogen fuel, similar to how the sun, the fuels that the, 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 the the what the sun uses as energy. And he proves this by by showing that there is remnants of hydrochloric acid and gypsum in both the kings and queens chambers. So, there must have been a reason to create these remnants. Um, Cadman uh, talks about the the pyramids as being a water pump, um, almost like a a catalyst for uh, water energy. And he also shows remnants of of salt and iron and even gold um, in in the pyramids. So, um, they were definitely used, in my opinion, as energy. I find it very interesting that the top portion of the Giza pyramid is missing. Um, I think that it was, uh, if you look at the pyramid right now, if you look at pictures of the pyramid, you'll see that, that there's. It, it's missing some sort of a, a capstone, they call it. And I believe the capstone was, was, uh, was a crystal, it was crystalline in, in nature, and that it used the power generated inside of the pyramid um, to, to connect the other pyramids with that same power. Is there
0: a correlation, or what is the correlation, between the, let's call it the Anunnaki pantheon, and the Greek gods, or the Egyptian gods?
3: Absolutely. I think that the Anunnaki were the pantheon of Greek gods, the Hercules, the Poseidon, and I think that their that weapons um, correlated specifically to that god. For example, um, you would have Hercules with the hammer, you would have um, uh, you would have Poseidon with the, the the fork. All of these were actual weapons that um, the Anunnaki had in their possession that basically acted acted as uh, as lasers, acted as devices that just would you know create havoc. And these, I, I believe that these this pantheon of the twelve Greek gods were exactly the same pantheon of uh, or a depiction of the same pantheon of Anunnaki.
0: We talked about the pyramids. What about Gobekli Tepe and Stonehenge? Were they also built with the aid or the direct input of the Anunnaki? I think so.
3: I went to Stonehenge about three years ago, and I found it to be just fascinating. It it, it lies on a ley line, um, an energy line, and I found it fascinating that anyone could lift an eight-ton rock and put it on top of two other rocks, you know, for what purpose would that be? That, that it wouldn't be for um, it wouldn't be for crop, you know, helping them with the crops. There, it obviously was a sundial of some sort, uh, but it also acted in, in such a way. Besides keeping time, um, I think it acted in such a way as, as an energy creator. And you see, you see evidence of, of Stonehenge-like circles. Challenger, Michael Tallinger talks about this in several books that he's written. Very interesting. The same shape as Stonehenge in Africa, Tanzania, South Africa. These circular, I guess you'd say shaped objects. And he believes that the, these circular shaped ob- objects that look like Stonehenge um, were used for energy. Um, um, and so, yeah, I believe uh, definitely Stonehenge uh, was used for energy. And what was the other one you mentioned, Richard? Oh,
0: Gobekli Gobekli Tepe.
3: Right. Gobekli Tepe is fascinating. Um, Gobekli Tepe apparently is the oldest um, at at, at, at almost 14,000 years old, carbon dated. Um, So it it predated any civilization that was found, this civilization in Turkey. Um, I'm not sure. It's, It's early right now as far as the excavation of Gobekli Tepe. Um, a, f- a friend of mine, a fellow author named Collins, has written a book about Gobekli Tepe, and uh, it's, it's really, really fascinating what's, what's being uncovered, but it's only about 10 years in, and there's a German archaeologist working on Gobekli Tepe right now who's really, really good and um, giving us information, I think, biannually, and so I, I believe Gobekli Tepe is going to be another Stonehenge.
0: What are your thoughts on what's going on, apparently, allegedly down in the Antarctic? Uh, we've had a number of dignitaries. We had the head of the Russian Orthodox Church uh, suddenly visit Antarctica. Uh, former Secretary of State John Kerry made a visit to the Antarctica. Uh, it's been suggested there is a massive alien craft, something like three miles in length or width, I'm not sure what the, the exact diameter is, that is now being revealed as this, the ice uh, begins melting down there. Uh, how does that fit into this narrative, if at all?
3: I find Antarctica to be so interesting. Um, I've read several books about Antarctica being Atlantis uh, by some authors named Flem F, uh, two or three books about this, talking about how Plato Discussed it as being an island, looking in an island. Antarctica's is an island, uh, being uh, made out of concentric circles. Which underneath the ice, uh, we, we have noticed that there is not only uh, lush land there and, and water, but um, concentric circles. So, was it Atlantis? I, I don't know, but uh, th- that's you don't think so? That's a possibility. I don't know, but I didn't. I do know that there was uh, was a U.S. mission led by an Admiral Byrd in the late 1940s to Antarctica. And uh, he went with, I think, five or six battleships, uh, two or three ice crushers, um, and uh, several planes. And I do know that that Admiral Byrd came back saying that there were ships, UFOs, that came out of the water and fired upon him and his ships. He lost three battleships, I think one ice, one ice crusher, and several planes. Um, it was not the Nazis that were supposedly in, in Antarctica at the time as well. So I find that so interesting. Um, I did also hear about a UFO. I, I, I didn't know how big, but a UFO in in the ice, um, somewhere in in the middle of Antarctica. Uh, but I, I I just find it very very interesting. And and yes, could there be an alien presence there under the water or under the ice? Sure,
0: absolutely. The, um, the, the, uh, alleged meeting with President Eisenhower and a group of aliens in 1953, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you out of the Anunnaki, yes, the Anunnaki were not, I'm guessing, involved in that since the last no. one departed in 2000. Um so, since 2000, since 2000 years ago, when the last of the Anunnaki left, is it now pretty much open season on other extraterrestrial civilizations that want to intervene? Uh, are they doing it uh, with the tacit approval of the Anunnaki? Are they doing it, uh, you know, despite Anunnaki warnings to stay to stay away? I mean, how is this how is this playing out?
3: That's, that's a great question. Um, so what I've read is that there are 57 species of aliens that have been um, given terminology in our in U, the U.S. undercover military and Canadian. Um, so of the 57 species, several of them, and I discuss s- several of the ten of these species in my in my second book. Uh, the Greys are um, everywhere. The, 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 grays come from Zeta reticuli, um, and th- there seems to be several different variations of grays, tall, some short, um, and of the short, there are definite some species, sub, subspecies of the short, um, some that are leaders, some that are sort of, uh, followers, almost like robotic, if not robotic followers. Um, so I, yeah, I think, I think it's open season. I think, uh, the earth is a very, very special place. I think, um, we have developed faster and many, many races, um, and that people are noticing us, I think, after the nuclear uh, first nuclear warhead was set off. They're, they're, they're noticing us with, I think, admiration for the, 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 the speed at which we're evolving, but very, very concerned about our warlike tendencies. And they're concerned because if we continue to unleash nuclear warheads anywhere on Earth, it does affect the rest of the universe uh, because uh, through vibration uh, because basically everything is vibration and everything is sound and waves, and um, it, it, it has effect. And so they're very, very concerned. And that's why there have been shutdowns in Montana of nuclear facilities just literally shut off uh, by UFOs, um, there are UFOs all over the U.S. and Canada that are, that are just concerned and um, showing themselves and saying, we're here. And if you continue to, you know, con- continue to have your nuclear warheads ready to, to fire, we're going to do something about it. And
0: so. I've always wondered, though, where were the UFOs in 1945 when the Americans dropped two big ones on Japan?
3: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's a very, very good question because I've, I've I've heard UFOs have been around since early 1900s, and there have been... Um, stories about them in 1936, 38, 39, um, and then obviously 43 Roswell and, and going forward. I don't know. I don't know why they stopped, um, Oppenheimer from dropping the first nuke. I don't know. Um, maybe they were going to see, can they, you know, will they really do it? But I, 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 don't know. But I think after that happened, it, it created such a shockwave, literally, shockwave, um, across other sentient beings that, um, We've become sort of that uh, that kindergarten bully um, in a world of uh, mature adults. And they're very worried about us.
0: Getting back to the 53 uh, treaty or arrangement that was made, is, is that where permission was given to certain species to abduct humans?
3: Yes. From what I've read through Freedom of Information Act documents um, in Washington, um, in fact, there was a treaty um, between our president, um, and uh, their ambassador one of the greys ambassador we'll called the griada treaty and griada gre signifying grey alien um, and this treaty um, was a direct exchange on the us the us's part uh the us wanted a military information lasers chips um, anything that would help them in, in the military sense and the Greys needed um, needed DNA, uh, human DNA, cow, cow DNA, uh, which is very very similar to human and human DNA. And the United States apparently um, told them they can have X amount of human DNA and no more. And, and apparently the Greys uh, didn't didn't follow along with that.
0: <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I would think the uh, that treaty would have expired by now, or should have. Um, Jacques Vallée and a growing number of people who research in this space, who write about UFOs and ETs, uh, Doctor David Jacobs, Nick Redfern, um, are coming around to believing that. There is a deception going on here with ETS vat wrote a book called The Messengers of deception dr. David Jacobs believes that the alien abduction uh, phenomenon which has been sort of described as um, I guess some sort of a step in our in consciousness or <laughs> consciousness raising uh, you know a lot of people in the UFO community say believe that there's nothing. Nothing nefarious about alien abductions, but you have then people like Dr. David Jacobs and others who believe that there is a a alien-human hybrid program going on, and uh, this is all sort of a precursor to an invasion. So as I say, more and more people coming to this realization that there is a deception going on. What are your thoughts?
3: I agree. I think there is a deception. Uh, I think there's a lot of very, very bad... Um, tendencies, uh, the fact that they're not keeping with their word based upon the Griata Treaty is, uh, is a, is a, is it, is it, to me, t- tells you, you can't trust any of these gray aliens. I have read about other aliens, however, that are, um, tall whites. We call them the tall whites, um, uh, from Andromeda that apparently are very positive and want peace and love and, uh, the you know procurement of of, of information and education and uh, evolution, and so I do ha- and I have read about other species that are uh, very fond of, of Earth and um, sort of feel uh, I guess with all of the intergalactic information that I've read um, start stemming from Orion and Sirius, right? So several several species have stemmed from Orion and Sirius, and then have let, moved on to the data reticulized. Uh, Nibiru's to other planets. Um, I think everyone sort of wants to have a little imprint on on our little galaxy, uh, part of the galaxy, and Earth being a, su- a really important one. I think I think we're very special, and I think um, I think that they uh, m- not only are looking for ro- resources in the form of DNA um, from cows or humans, but um, or or raw res- metal resources. I think that um, they're very. Um, They're very interested in our speedy development, how quickly we've developed and, um, you know, moving from the third to the fourth to the fifth density of intellect.
0: All right, Leon, I've got to jump in here. Apologies. We'll take a break. We'll come back and continue. Uh, Leon Bibby, Adam Decoded, Volume 2, back with more. Stay with us.
1: Do you want to know what it's like to hang out with MS-13 in El Salvador? how the Russian mafia fought battles all over Brooklyn in the 1990s. Or well, what
0: about that time I got lost in the Burmese jungle hunting the world's biggest meth lab? Or why the Japanese Yakuza have all those crazy dragon tattoos? I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Danny Gold, And we're the hosts of the Underworld Podcast. We're journalists that have traveled all over, reporting on dangerous people and places. And every week, we'll be bringing you a new story about organized crime from all over the world. We know this stuff because we've been there, we've seen it, and we've got the near misses and embarrassing tales to go with it. We'll mix in reporting with our own experiences in the field, and we'll throw in some bad jokes while we're at it. The Underworld Podcast
1: explores the criminal underworlds that affect all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered why we call French fries French fries? Or why something is the greatest thing since sliced bread? There are answers to those questions. Everything Everywhere Daily is a podcast for curious people who want to learn more about the world around them. Every day, you'll learn something new about things you never knew you didn't know. Subjects include history, science, geography, mathematics, and culture. If you're a curious person and want to learn more about the world you live in, just subscribe to Everything Everywhere Daily wherever you cast your pod. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be buried in an avalanche? weird foreign feeling of despair. Or how it feels to crash a skydive. I remember hearing a thud, feeling my body hit the ground. Or how you would react if you were being attacked by an alligator. At the end of my leg is this huge alligator head on my leg. These are the stories you'll hear on the podcast called What Was That Like? True stories told by the actual person who went through it. You'll hear from a victim of an attack
2: Dragging me into the bathroom and saying, I'm going to kill you, now you're going to die.
1: You'll hear from a man who discovered a baby. How could this be? how could there be a baby on the ground? And you'll hear actual 911 calls.
3: Planky County 911. There's a man at my back door, he's trying to get in.
1: What Was That Like is a podcast about real people in unreal situations. Search for What Was That Like on any podcast app or at whatwasthatlike.com. I'm Andrew Gold, a fallen BBC journalist interviewing the heretics and rebels brave enough to speak out against mainstream narratives. Here's Coleman Hughes, John Ronson and the Trigonometry podcast guys bringing controversy to the fore. How do you feel if a person of a different race moved in next door? I spent a while with a politically correct faction of the Ku Klux Klan. The system punishes people for wrong think. It's heartbreaking. Here's My Unorthodox Life Netflix star Julia Hart on getting out of a Hasidic Jewish cult. Why can't I be okay with being silent and subservient? Everyone else is. And
3: biologist Richard Dawkins on trans activism. Perfectly legitimate to say I'm a man but I feel feminine, but to then say therefore I am a woman is just a betrayal of
1: language. Now it's your turn rebel against the mainstream and find a home in this sensible alternative space by subscribing to heretics podcast
0: c60 evo delivers the miracle molecule ess 60 it's pure carbon 60 why not love your body and share c60 evo with those you love ESS 60 from C60 Evo is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets, too. I take a tablespoon every day, and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years, and during the day, we have such tremendous energy and vitality. We're both pain-free. In a landmark, peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats fed ESS 60 lived Twice their normal lifespan. Go to C60EVO.com/slash Richard-Serrett or click on the C60EVO link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS 60 from C60EVO. Order your miracle in a bottle today.
2: As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? No, me either. But I guess you better say it because of Richard, you know, he's all wrapped up in this stuff. (laughs) Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
0: Welcome back. Leon Bibby stays with us. Adam Decoded, Volume 2. The first book was uh, Adam Equals Alien. Uh, Leon, uh, give us a website and tell us where we can get a hold of these books.
3: My first book, Adam Equals Alien, is available on www.adamalien.com. .com, which is my own website, um, or you could go on to Amazon. And Adam Decoded uh, is going through now. I'm creating a new website for it um, because it's part of a trilogy. Um, Adam Decoded is available on Amazon. If you just type in Adam Decoded, it's available in Canada, uh, U.S., etc.
0: When the Anunnaki return, you, you stated, Leon, earlier that you believe it will be around the year 3100. Yes. Is Is that something that we should be fearful of or look forward to in your estimation?
3: I think fearful. I think uh, it's not a good thing. Um, I think it's going to create uh, a lot of uh, gravitational pull issues. It's going to create flooding, it's going to create, um, I hopefully, the uh, Earth doesn't... You know, the Earth has moved on its axis before, and that's part of the reasons we, we've we had the Ice Age and, and, and major, you know, um, evolution, major gravitational and geological issues but it's going to create a lot of problems i think and they always do come to earth when it when they're within our our galaxy and they will definitely come to earth at that time so i'm concerned i'm concerned i don't think it's uh, i don't think it's going to be a hello greeting
2: well
0: the sort of the perturbations aside What about the motives this time around from the Anunnaki? I mean, who's going to be in charge? Is it going to be Enlil or Enki? Are they still alive?
3: I think so. I think they're still alive because, you know, it's from the Egyptian kings list. I don't know if you know about this, but there's a Sumerian tablet that's square, rectangular, and it has the Egyptian kings list that lists all of the kings of the Egyptian dynasty. And you'll notice that each of these kings lived between, or reigned, between 4,000 and up to 26,000 Years. Now, some people say, oh, it's not really a year. Uh, it's it's in 26,000 divided by seven or divided by six, the sexagesimal system. I think it's legitimate. I think it's 26,000 years. And I think that these were Anunnaki who lived 50, 70,000 years. Um, so if that's true, then Enlil and Enki could very well still be alive.
0: And who who do you think is going to be in charge when they swing by the next time?
3: I hope Enki, because in my opinion, Enki is uh, Enki's the good guy in, in our development. Enki's the creator of us, in my opinion. Again, um, and Enki is uh, is y- y- you know he's he's venerated all over Latin America as Quetzalcoatl, um, as uh, the feathered being, the feathered god. Um, and the pyramids were all dedicated to him. He apparently uh, just created, just educated the people on civil, how, to, how to be civilized, laws, court system, judicial, uh, uh, contracts, marriage, divorce, everything. So um, I think he was basically the, you know, the positive um, protagonist. And I think he loves what he created. And the Sumerian tablets even said that I love my creation, that he said that he loves his creation. And I think that he's, uh, to me, he's uh, he's the most positive, uh, you know, being that, that we have seen in the tablets.
0: And if he's in charge when Nibiru swings by again, would you then anticipate that there would be Will he come bearing gifts, in other words? Is he going to kickstart our, our human evolution again? Is he going to bestow free energy upon us and these sorts of things?
3: I think so. I think, you know, geniuses, you mentioned free energy. Geniuses like Tesla, who was a thousand years ahead of his time um, with free energy. Um, people like Einstein, geniuses like this Galileo, Aristotle, people like this were almost as if they were his students that they learned one one hundredth of his knowledge and tried to apply it to a good cause and i think that tesla was really the last greatest scientist um besides einstein of our time especially as it relates to energy and i believe that Enki, was depicted in several pictures um um, as uh, you know, in, in, in working almost like an like an architect of energy, um, would certainly be very proud that a, you know a person like a Tesla or an Einstein uh, became what they became. And I think yes, he would want to hopefully come to Earth, see where we're at, and bring us to. I was mentioning the fourth density, which is like an, uh, almost as if you're unlocking 10% more of that quote-unquote junk DNA and um, becoming super intelligent.
0: The Mayan calendar and the Mayans, any, any correlation between the Mayan calendar and the Anunnaki?
3: Yes. Many people were concerned that 2012, was it going to be the end of the world, et cetera. It just so happens to be the end of a what's called the precession, uh, which is 25,920 years. And this procession, basically, is a solar procession of time, meaning uh, the Earth's progression over 25,920 years um, in relation to the sun's orbit. And so the Mayan calendar, um, which was almost like a computer, besides um, keeping time, um, it also advised when to fertilize their crops, Acted almost as a a, 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 a a fire, water, air distributor, where they would basically be advising the the, the the people: Hey, you know, it's going to be hot. It's going to be cold. It's going to be chilly. It's any time, any climate information. But but more more importantly, was the procession, the solar procession, in keeping with. Um, Time and 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 uh, the relationship of Earth to the sun and its orbits. And so uh, this was so far ahead of its time, it only could have been constructed, you know, by the Anunnaki.
0: The vast majority of the cuneiforms, the cuneiform tablets, I believe are the, in the London Museum. I mean, they're not for public eyes, correct? Yes, correct. Why do you suppose that is? What's, what's on those cuneiform tablets perhaps they don't want us to know about?
3: Oh, that's it's just so interesting, Richard. I just think that there's, you know, I didn't used to be this way. I used to be a, a sort of a, a, a layman just believing what I heard on television and on the news media. And uh, now today, I, a lot of times I don't believe it at all. Um, I just think that the information in the Sumerian tablets uh, is so powerful and so real That if taken word for word Would would basically shake um, Foundations of science and religion To a degree And I think that even though The Sumerian tablets predate religion I think people's um, You know You're a religious Christian I'm a little bit religious too I think it would um, It would I guess I wouldn't scare them But it would just basically Tell a different story Rather than the story we've read from the New Testament or the Old Testament, and um, the word the plural form of gods, and it says it you know on the cover of my book Adam the Kwasilian. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image and in our likeness." That's what it says in Genesis. It says that also several other times. So the plural is listed more as a as a you know pluralistic deity as uh, versus a monotheistic. And I grew up believing in one God, And only one God. And after reading the, the tablets, it it opened my mind up to, um, to to more to several gods with a small G, but several gods um, being our creator. And um, I think I think that this information is uh, is very powerful, and uh, that this information will probably be scoffed as as mythology, but. If it's not mythology, and my first chapter in my, in, book, in my book, Adam Decoded, was myth or mythology. And I believe uh, that, I'm sorry, myth or history. And I believe that this myth is history.
0: All right. If you take extraterrestrial out of the equation and you substitute extraterrestrial for interdimensional, let's just leave Nibiru aside for a moment. It still lines up pretty closely with what the Bible is saying. Because if we're talking about interdimensional, then we're talking about perhaps an angelic realm. And so then casting the Nephilim as the offspring of fallen angels and humans, it all makes perfect sense. In other words, some might argue, okay, the ancient alien theory is kind of trying to shoehorn their story into the biblical narrative. And the only thing that separates the ancient alien theory really from, let's say, the biblical narrative is extraterrestrial versus interdimensional. What are your thoughts on that?
3: That's really interesting. I think you can discuss the Nephilim and the, the angelic as their dimensional beings. It's very, very interesting what you just said because I've read several authors that have said the same that it uh, may, may not be exact you know, corporeal beings from another planet. It may be intergalactic, angelic, as you say, beings or sentient, sentience. Uh, you know, I don't know the, the answer. I think it's really, really interesting. Uh, I, I, I like what you said about there being a, a, a timeline symmetry, which I agree with. And I believe in most everything the Bible does say. There are just some things in it that I think that are a little off and maybe goes against some other paragraphs. And so I, that, that sort of gave, you know, lifted up one eyebrow and said, you know, something's up, something's up. And maybe, and maybe, just maybe, there's more than one author here. And so that's what really got me thinking.
0: There are 30,000 Sumerian tablets in one museum, but across the globe there are many, many more and more still in the ground in Iraq. Hmm. Uh, Do you believe that there are still uh, uh, scores of these tablets still buried in the sands of Iraq? And was this perhaps the reason that uh, just prior to the uh, the Gulf Wars uh, beginning in the early 90s, was this the reason that Saddam Hussein had called for a team of German archaeologists? Uh, they were in Iraq just prior to the war, uh, but it was never disclosed what they were looking for. Is, is this perhaps what they were looking for, more of these Sumerian tablets? Or perhaps were they looking for a Stargate? And is that the real reason for the Allied invasion of Iraq? They were also did, looking for that Stargate.
3: Where, where did you hear that information?
0: The, the German archaeologists? Yeah, I remember reading. I remember reading that uh, just after the uh, the first Gulf War broke out, that um, that um, Saddam Hussein had summoned a team of German archaeologists to to Iraq.
3: Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting that you just mentioned that. Very few people know that. I have heard that. Um, I'll get to that in one second. Uh, Sitchin said that there were about two hundred thousand tablets. And your, your, your listener is correct. 30,000 have been found uh, since, ni- since 1896. Um, as far as the U.S. And can, go, going to war with Iraq, I think, yes, I think one of the biggest reasons, besides oil, that we went into Iraq had nothing to do with weapons of mass destruction. had to do with these tablets. And that uh, they were in Baghdad and uh, apparently a Stargate as well in Iraq. Um, I got what city in Iraq, but it was one of the 12 cities that the Anunnaki originally inseminated. And it was interesting because there was a book written recently about a covert uh, secret operation between the U.S. and it may have been Germany going into Iraq and finding something. Besides tablets, finding they believe to be a stargate, and it was stopped immediately. Maybe apparently it was about thirty or forty-five days. Stopped immediately and surrounded by police, and they were kicked out. And and I and one of the professors from the University of Pennsylvania wrote about this. What town in Iraq it is? I think it's I'll tell Tellum or something like that. But yeah, they were kicked out because of this. And I thought that that was just so interesting.
0: Well, I want to thank you for uh, for being so generous with your time, Leon.
3: Richard, thank you so much for having me. I love your show, and uh, it's so interesting to me, and I, I appreciate you giving me the
1: time.